This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got fellow app nerds John Beeler and AJ Vickery with me today. Got lots to talk about in today's program. Uh, Vancouver is finally getting ride sharing. We've been hearing that for a long time. Uber has signed up. Lyft has just announced that uh, they're coming in December. So we'll be discussing uh, some of that uh, coming up in the program. I don't believe it. I don't believe it either, and we'll, we'll get into why I don't believe it. Uh, we'll also be talking about financial payments. Uh, there's a lot of uh, apps out there that allow uh, entrepreneurs to take payments, credit card payments. Uh, one of the big players would happen to be Square. Uh, they've obviously got their uh, Square payment app, but also the different types of little hardware devices to allow you to take payments, credit cards, debit cards. They've got a new one that's super cool, the Square Terminal. And we'll be talking with uh, one of the Square folks all about that uh, as well. And the Hot 5 app countdown this week, Hot 5 social apps that you probably don't know about. We don't even know about some of them. I don't even know about some of them, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you care. Uh, let's talk about some of the app news uh, this week, uh, guys. Uh, it looks like uh, iOS and Android are kind of tied for market share in Canada. Uh, worldwide, Android is dominating. I think, you know, 80% plus, I think 86% from what I remember, but here in Canada, 50-50. Surprised? Not at all. Not almost 50-50. percent. <laughs> okay, it's 46% Android and 53% iOS, mm-hmm. which it's iPhone. Yeah. And isn't it really kind of an unfair comparison? Why? It well, is, I, I would agree. Yeah. 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 Why, why is it unfair? Thanks, John. Well, because the <laughs> iOS is all, it's typically always the latest version of iOS, Yeah. but the Android stuff is a range of older products and it's a mess of older stuff fragmentation yeah Yeah. (laughs) but they've lumped all of that into android right and and when you think about it you're not choosing your your you're choosing your device i think first and your your platform kind of second when it comes to phones you think so i mean i think that if you're you're either going to get an iphone you know and that's going to come with ios or you're going to get an uh a samsung or I, I think that the reason with the split, though, is typically because the Android devices are the lost leaders, the free with a plan kind yeah, of thing. Fair. They're also the least expensive. You can buy a brand new Android phone for like fifty bucks on Amazon. Yes. Uh, it's not. It's not a Samsung Galaxy Note. Yeah. But it's a good enough phone to get the job done. Yeah. So, in that respect, because Apple doesn't have a fifty dollar iPhone that mm-hmm. you can buy on Amazon, that's why they're they're more popular. Mm. You know. I'm with you. I, I, I like having at least one competitor with Apple because it keeps everybody on their game. Yeah. But um, the reality is I think that more people get Androids just out of cost. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Android still dominates worldwide, I think, obviously, because of, uh, well, China's one big reason and India. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the countries where they can't afford iPhones, right. essentially, like you yeah. said, they can, you can get one for 50 bucks here. Uh, in India, you can get one for ten bucks. Yeah, literally. Well, mm. we saw some in Shenzhen. You could buy for five dollars, <laughs> <laughs> little tiny ones. They're just phones. Yeah, they're not anything yeah. else. But you can get cheap phones. Uh, looking at some of the other uh, app news uh, today, uh, this is uh, interesting. Huawei, always in the news, uh, they have <laughs> launched their new Harmony OS. Speaking of OS, yeah, 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 operating system. So why is this important? Uh, it's important, I think for a few different reasons. One of the big ones is that uh, Huawei is pitted against uh, the US and Donald Trump right now, who has a hate on for them, says they're a security threat, has banned their network hardware 
from uh, the U.S. and is trying to get all of the American allies on board with that as well, uh, but also uh, basically has uh, put them on the blacklist when it comes to their other technology uh, products, including smartphones. And so one of the issues there is that uh, Google, coming up shortly, won't be allowed to give uh, their Google Android operating system to Huawei. Yeah. The interesting thing about the Harmony OS, though, is that it actually is meant for cross-platforms. It's not just for smartphones. No, because they didn't even really mention smartphones in this launch. No. They launched it at one of their developers' conferences, and they say it's for smart devices. The first smart device they're going to have is a smart TV using it. They've got like an Alexa-type speaker as well that will use it, Mm -hmm. Uh, wearables. It sounds really ambitious to have a scalable OS across all these different devices that... In theory, developers can make an app once and have it work on all these different things. I'm. It sounds so right, it, but it, it's it so ambitious. Too good to be true, almost. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it, Mike and I have been there to Huawei. We've seen their, you know, their their offices and and the just the sheer number of people that are working for them. Sure. If anyone's going to pull it off. Maybe while we can. Well, I just I think the only thing I'd have to caution, and again, we're not pitting apples to apples here, but uh, we've seen other OSs try to survive um, from iOS and Android. And again, I know they're not talking about being a, specifically a mobile iOS, uh, mobile OS, but um, you know, there was WebOS with Palm, HP. Yep. There yep. was um, uh, we don't forget about Microsoft. Who's Could forget about Microsoft. <laughs> It was good. I didn't mind it, actually. And, and I'm yeah. saying Harmony might be yeah. good from yeah. Huawei. I'm just saying yeah. that, like, you know... Well, it's, and the th- thing is, we is, haven't played with it yet, so... Yeah. I, but I'm... You're you just know. going into competition in a market that is extremely um, monopolistic, I guess. That's right. my point. Well, and, and this might become a niche thing that's just for their Chinese audience, sure. too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested, though, because... I can't wait to try it. If it is an alternative, it's running basically Android, right? Open source version of it? I wasn't too I'm, clear on that. It wasn't too clear if it's something they've rolled their own or if it does have its uh, kernels of uh, the, the open source Android, which would make sense. Why would you start from scratch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you'd want to make it easy for app developers to port over their apps. Absolutely, yeah. So if it is uh, you know, an open source sourced version of Android, it'll make it easier for all these app developers to make the Harmony version of it, but it's going to complete, like if Android wasn't fragmented before, (laughs) this is going to be crazy. And this is going to hurt Google. I think so. Yeah. Because there's a good chance that if this is a desirable OS, people will try to install it on their pixel phones. Sure. Why not? Yeah. And you can't help but think that the other Chinese smartphone manufacturers, if this is the way it goes, they'll use Harmony OS as well. Right. Why wouldn't they? Right. And that's a pretty big market for Google to be worried about that they're already kind of having trouble with. So let's talk about WordPress. Yes. WordPress and Tumblr. (laughs) Uh, WordPress is uh, one of the most used, uh, I guess, web development platforms. Blogging platforms. Blogging platforms. Uh, We use it in our agency to to make websites. Bloggers use it because it's simple. It's got templates. You can do all sorts of cool things with it. Well, they... Well, their parent company of WordPress has bought Tumblr. Do you remember Tumblr? Yes. Yep. I, I but never, not everybody may, so you might have to kind I of... I never really was on it. Yeah. So explain what Tumblr was. T- Tumblr to me... Kind it was of, big in its time. Yeah. Well, it kind of feels like Instagram, if you could have like different kinds of media, yeah. 
more long form. A lot of people use it just to write. Yeah. But also because they, it was one of the first platforms to support multimedia as mm-hmm. well. So you could have videos, you could have GIFs, um, you could have just text, whatever you want. And um, it was really popular in fandoms. So mm-hmm. if you really liked a TV show or a movie or a video game character, chances are the fan sites for those things would appear on Tumblr. And, and I would just say that um, um, it's also a platform that they made really easy for sort of creative and non-techie people to yes. publish content to. So yeah. even so, easier than WordPress. Yeah, that's what I mean. Cause yeah. WordPress is like easy, but it's not that easy. You know, yeah. uh, you gotta be a little bit technical to yeah. work with it. And so with Tumblr, like I think your Instagram analogy is excellent. Yeah. It was a way to publish blogs. Well, it was really uh, meant simply. from your phone. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Rarely, I think people actually used a computer to publish to Tumblr. So, so go back in time a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Tumblr was kind of big. Yahoo yeah. bought them. One point one billion. Right. One point one we sh- we billion sh- dollars. We, sh- we should also mention the elephant in the room. Tumblr was big because it was very popular for the pornographic community. Yeah. There was a lot of people. The po- pornographic community. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. There's a lot of adult content. A on, lot of adult content it. because yeah. it was so easy to publish. Sure. It was also really easy to republish other people's stuff. This is something that Instagram suffered with. You know, if you wanted to repost an Instagram post, you always had to use a third party app. Mm. Tumblr actually had that built in Mm -hmm. and you could actually, as the original content owner, you could see who shared your stuff and where it all went. And it it actually would uh, collate all of the conversations or comments and all that kind of stuff in one place. So it was really kind of interesting to see where your one little piece of content could go. Um, And they didn't have any restrictions on the type of content like we've seen on all the other platforms. But they've banned that. They banned that. Yeah. Adult content. Adult content was banned. And that caused a big backlash in that community where they found usage to drop through the floor because it kind of showed where people were actually spending their time on Tumblr. But just to timestamp this, Yahoo bought them in 2013. 1.1 billion. 1.1 billion dollars. And so, and then Verizon bought Yahoo. Yeah. And I guess they're selling off the chunks. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they probably bought Yahoo for a a good loss. I forget what the total value was that they paid for, but they got a lot of... Wasn't it 4 billion? Yeah, it was something crazy, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so now they're trying to get rid of all the the chuff. So the rumored selling price for Tumblr, Verizon sold it to WordPress's parent company. Yeah, Automatic, yeah. For how much? It's undisclosed yet but the rumor is three million dollars or and i've seen two as low as under two million as well but (laughs) they they couched it uh by saying that they they wanted to find a good home for it as opposed to just selling it off yeah which i'm like it's a telephone company they're gonna go for the profit they don't care about finding it exactly can you imagine some verizon executive i want to find a good home for tumblr I want my puppy to have a good home. What a load of crap. All they care about is the dollars. Right. So in this case, the tax write-off. The tax write-off. The loss. The loss. Oh, the loss. Oh, the loss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's That's a pretty big loss. One billion (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Or more. Uh, One last story here uh, before we move on. Samsung, they released their Note 10 and 10 Plus. No headphone jack. And why is this funny? This is really funny. It's funny because, do you remember all those ads Samsung had mocking Apple users? Because they didn't have a headphone jack. Mm-hmm. They made all these commercials about it. And so, you know what's been happening? <laughs> They've been deleting all those commercials off of YouTube now. Oh, snap. Ooh. If only there was a way that people could bring those commercials back. <laughs> you can, it's, once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's dozens of sites that have uh, popped you know, up. Tumblr sites, maybe. Yeah. Tumblr sites that have, have grabbed the video. Anyway, Samsung, come on. <laughs> Just own it. Right. Yeah. 
It's it, so funny that they even did those commercials because, you know... It's kind of like hitting below the belt. Yeah, but also, you know, you know in time that they're going to lose the headphone jack as well. They must know that. But how are you doing uh, in life without a headphone jack? I, I never... I always have Bluetooth. I hate corded <laughs> headphones. It was never an issue for me. Uh, flights bug me. Why? Well, because flights, um, often they make you take your, your headset out. You just need to hide better. I hide it better, <laughs> and I've got like three backup pairs just in case they steal, they steal mine. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Lyft and Uber finally, maybe, probably coming to Vancouver. You're listening to The App Show here in the Course Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here. I've got John Beeler and uh, AJ Vickery with me today. This is your first App Show. It's my debut. Yeah, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. We'll see how you do uh, for this next segment. We're going to talk about ride sharing. Uh, it's kind of a sore spot in Vancouver where we actually broadcast this particular program for. Mm-hmm, Seems mm-hmm. like every other city in the free world uh, and even the non-free world actually has, <laughs> has ride, ride sharing, you know, Uber and mm-hmm. Lyft. Those are the two big companies. Uber, everyone has heard of Uber. Yes. And Lyft is the big competitor. Lyft is the nicer, non-creepy. It, it's, my, it's my favorite one. It's Why is it your use. favorite? I just, well, I, I had problems with Uber with, you know, how they were running their business, some of the creepy stuff they were doing. They were tracking journalists at one point, you know, that were writing negatively about them. The Uber app that that journalist had, they were tracking and it was a big really? story. Yeah, it was awful. Um, among I wish, other I wish things. someone would track me. No one cares. About I hear me. the worst Uber stories ever. Like I, I was in New York and, and I was with people and they, they won't take Uber. And I'm like, well, why? And they're like, cause I don't want to wake up like in like Pennsylvania or something. And What's that mean? To get roofied in the back? Why are you sleeping, first of all? (laughs) Don't sleep in the Uber. But yeah, there's just so many horror stories. So ride sharing has uh, been officially given the go-ahead by the NDP government here, uh, but I call it ride sharing neutered, essentially. (laughs) Like everything good about it is been taken away. Well, the the whole premise about ride sharing that made it so attractive as a disruptive service is that if I decided this weekend I got nothing going on, I can actually just turn on the app and become a driver. Um, that's it. And so Uber says 90% of their drivers are part-time drivers, like right. you wanting to make some extra money with your car. Right. Uh, you know, moms and yeah. whoever that yeah. wants their students that want to, to do it. So that has been neutered effectively by this government by uh, having the class four license restriction. Right. So class Basically, four is a commercial license. Right that like a taxi driver has to get. Mm-hmm. So you know what you're going to essentially see when these things finally come, Uber and Lyft? All the taxi drivers. Well, and we've seen this in other in taxis. Or- <laughs> no, in their own cars. No, yeah. no. Yeah, and they'll be on both platforms yeah. because that's how they're going to make their money. Sure. Um, and we saw this in other cities as well where they, they used to be a taxi driver and now they're an Uber Lyft driver, Uber slash Lyft. What I had an interesting conversation in Las Vegas was um, the gentleman was a taxi driver and during non-surging time, surging being the time of day when the, you start to get paid more for driving Uber uh, because the, so much people are traveling that they need more drivers. Uh, during the non-surging time, they drove the taxi. And as soon as it started to surge, they parked the taxi and jumped <laughs> in their Uber. And they basically just figured out how to make the most money. I just wonder if we have enough commercial drivers in Vancouver to support the need that no, we would have. No, no, right? we don't. Exactly. Mm. No, we don't. And that's going to... Uh, not make people that don't have that. Like, you're going to have to go take a test. You're going to have to have, like, an actual physical from a doctor. So yeah. no one's going to do it. So I'm interested to know, like, the reasons. They keep saying safety. We're looking out for the safety of British Columbians. Like, what are the accident rates between taxi drivers and Uber drivers in other parts of yeah. North America? Yeah. 
I'm betting it's pretty similar. I think there's a lot of data. Yes. Yeah. I don't think they've read a lot of that data. Yeah. No, they're trying to protect the taxi industry again. Right. Right. And and make no mistake, you know, I I've you know, I'm against the taxis a lot of times in these conversations. It's not like I'm against them, but it's just the industry has to change. Like it's not yeah. working the way the system is now. No, there's all kinds of horror stories of people not being picked up or being abandoned because there's not enough taxis uh, or it's raining. And so it's super busy. And, mm. you know, there's only four taxis for all of downtown Vancouver, apparently. And so uh, I've had tons of friends that have been left standing on the corner for like literally hours well, waiting I, for a ride. You know, I mean, we're all technologists, right? So the the fundamental here is that um, the world is changing with technology and we've seen it with other disrupt- disruptive things like Airbnb and all these sorts of things, right? So now the hotel industry is up against the Airbnbs right. and all the rest of it, right? And they've had to adapt and they'd have to change and hotels haven't disappeared. You know, they survived, they've thrived. Yeah. And it's the same thing with the this marketplace. It's either you're going to survive and thrive or you're going to disappear. Disruption takes place as technology grows. Taxis haven't disappeared in New York City? Yeah. No. No, they're doing fine. We saw tons of them. Yes, <laughs> Uh, my my problem though is though a lot of people don't understand they think it's going to be a lot cheaper with Uber. I'm finding now in the jurisdictions that have had Uber for a while, those Uber prices are up there with the taxi prices. Well, now. I was in New York last year and I took lifts from Manhattan to Brooklyn all the time, and it was really cheap. I was just there last week. It was not really cheap. No, <laughs> you know the city has put yeah. all sorts of additional surcharges on. Right, so hmm. they've the turned fares. it into a taxi. Basically. They've turned it into a taxi. Yeah. But for me, it's just having more of them out there. That's right. the big thing for me. Yeah. And it's convenient. The app is so convenient. You yeah. can see where it is, how long it's going to be coming you to you. You know what cars come yeah. in your way. You have you their phone license ta- plate. You phone a taxi now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be there in 20 minutes yeah. or an hour. And you roll up to the curb and you get out and walk away. You don't have to worry for it to transaction take place and all the rest of it. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we've still got more apps to talk about. It's going to be the Hot 5 app countdown. We're going to talk about the Hot 5 apps that you've never heard of for social media. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike, John, and AJ here. It's that time. The Weekly App Hot 5. This week, we're counting down the Hot 5 social media apps you've probably never heard of. (laughs) uh, But they have some pretty big uh, followings. And we're going to start off with number five, Elo. Is that Elo or Elo? Elo. Elo. Elo? Elo. Uh, Elo was launched in 2014, and it was touted as the anti-Facebook. It had no ads, it had lots of privacy features, and no users at first. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was also exclusive. You had to get invited into it. Um, since its launch, it's lost a lot of its luster, but it actually has found a niche with artists. They found it a place where they can actually go and express themselves, create their own voices, and have their own little part of the world. Um, I actually did a post the, like, the day it launched there that I still get likes on. And, and all it was something like, is this thing on? One of those kind of posts. So it's still thriving and active, but it's just one of those things that, you know, if you probably haven't heard of it, it's probably because it's not your jam. Well, uh, I guess building on that, uh, another one is called Vero, and this came out in 2015, and similar to what you described with Allo, uh, it was ad-free, so a little bit of a different type of social network, and it had enhanced privacy features, and kind of was set up uh, to display the, your content information in a 
chronological line. Um, but however, um, some early controversy about this uh, was with regard to the content that you did publish. There were some ownership questions on what who owned that content and people didn't want to publish their own content and not be uh, owners of it anymore or have another company try to make money out of it. They also had some controversy in the beginning with um, some of the programmers that were behind it, uh, you know, being Russian and another company that started the development uh, shutting down and not paying their employees. So Vero may be a little bit marked in some controversy. Number three, TikTok. People might have heard of this, but probably don't know what it is. Uh, it is uh, formerly known as uh, Musical.ly. Uh, that's music.ly. This is a former lip syncing app that uh, was bought by a Chinese company called ByteDance back in 2017 and rebranded as TikTok. In China, it still has its own servers, and the app is called uh, Douyin. Uh, which means director in uh, that country. Uh, TikTok servers are located in their countries of service, so the TikTok server for Canada is in Canada. And uh, the network skews younger, like think around 12 years old. Uh, most of the users and creators, uh, they're in the 16 to 24 year old range. Uh, people record themselves dancing to music, uh, challenging each other to dance offs or lip syncs uh, to having cool two up battles uh, tools in the app uh, allow you to do all sorts of uh, different types of content creation 60 seconds at a time and available on iphone and android number two on the uh, hot five app countdown tuber uh, this takes creation and curation on a social network to a new level members can curate their own timelines keep them private the timeline's a little more uh, spam-proof. Uh, the multiple posts are actually nested into side scrolls, and it's chronological, still very much in its alpha phase, and invites are still required to access it. Uh, this is available on Android and iOS if you are invited. And uh, the number one social media app that you've never heard of is Discord. Tell Dis us about it. Discord started off as basically a system for people that wanted to play video games to actually chat with their teammates and other people that are sort of uh, remotely scattered around the world. Um, but it's really evolved over the last few years into being more of a destination uh, social media app for those fans of specific games or even specific streamers. They have their own channels there too. So it's a, ch it's a chance for them to have a gathering place, share messages, photos, videos, uh, and all sort of come together in a similar vein as their, their friends. Do you guys use any of these? Nope. nope. <laughs> I use Discord a little bit. I think we've got to use TikTok. TikTok, yeah. A little dance off. Do some lip syncing. That's, uh, that's apparently a fairly popular one. I could do the lip syncing, I think. I could see you doing it. Yeah. I can see me not doing it. <laughs> Great. Uh, we still have some more to talk about uh, on the program today. Uh, later on, we'll get our game uh, app of the week and also John's favorite app of the week. And uh, we'll be talking about payment uh, apps, uh, specifically Square Payments. Uh, they've got some new hardware out uh, that makes it even easier for businesses uh, to use that as a point of sale terminal uh, in uh, their business, whether that's mobile, in your house, uh, or in a physical storefront. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I want to talk about uh, payment, payment apps, and technology. Uh, one of the big players out there that have uh, really kind of changed how uh, small businesses uh, and businesses in general can actually take payments uh, from a, a mobile uh, perspective would happen to be Square. You might have uh, seen those uh, little uh, Square uh, uh, little uh, 
I guess, uh, card uh, devices that plugged into the uh, the headphone jack of uh, your phone. Well, they've uh, been advancing the technology when it comes to the hardware. On the line, we've uh, got uh, our guest. His name is Jesse Doro Gusker, and he is with uh, Square to tell us about some of the new innovations. Thanks for joining us, Jesse. You bet, Mike. Uh, Jesse, maybe just give the listeners uh, kind of a, an overview of what Square is about before we get into some of the, uh, the new stuff. Sure, I'd be happy to. Square came to the Canadian market over six years ago, and our goal was to really revolutionize the way that people were included in the economy, explicitly accepting credit cards using a simple device connected to an app on their phone and empowering everyone to really uh, participate. And what we found is that over these six years, we've been successful. Over two-thirds of the customers who have come to Square are brand new to credit card acceptance. So we're really sweeping in a lot of new people into the economy. And we've continued to invest in not only the hardware for payments, but software and a software ecosystem to support small businesses who are getting started, uh, who are trying something new, or even growing uh, to multiple locations and multiple employees. You, you guys really changed uh, things back uh, six years ago because it was very difficult uh, back in the day to actually be able to accept credit cards and, and do it securely and, and, and safely for, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, uh, and, you know, I think you basically took a, a small percentage fee as all uh, payment processors uh, do. But uh, uh, I believe you guys also take the debit cards now as well. That is that true? We sure do. So what's uh, what's happening now? You've uh, you've introduced the Square Terminal, and uh, this thing looks pretty cool. Uh, tell us uh, what it's all about. Sure. So we're really excited about the Square Terminal. It's in addition to the mobile reader we already have in the market, and we're focusing on a really broad base of businesses, but especially businesses who are already accepting credit cards. We've learned a lot by talking to sellers over the years, and know that even those customers were really tragically underserved by the existing players in the market. The things that stand out to us specifically are uh, how fair or unfair current practices are, both for hardware and software and the way people get charged, and also how outdated the existing terminals are in the market. On fairness, uh, you said that we charge a, a flat fee for all of our credit card processors like the others, and it's true that we do, but it's not true about the others. Uh, the credit card processing fees are incredibly complex in the industry. Uh, they're riddled with a variety of fees that are intentionally uh, opaque and unfair. Uh, they often come with monthly contracts, uh, sorry, annual contracts and monthly fees, all things that are very frustrating for small businesses, new businesses, growing businesses, and Square just doesn't do any of that. We have a flat, clear rate for all of our credit cards and debit cards, and that's it. That's all you'll be expected to pay to Square. Uh, similarly, on the hardware you can buy it from us up front. You can pay 12 easy installments, and there's not this ongoing weird leasing fee that, that many of the other players uh, lock people into. The, the terminal actually looks pretty cool. It, it, it almost looks like a, a, fat, uh, a fat iPhone, <laughs> if, if you will, uh, but it's got a full uh, screen on it, and I believe there's a paper roll in there as well? There, there is. Um, what's interesting about payment terminals is they've been around a long time. Uh, all of your listeners have probably paid on one in the last couple of days. Uh, but unfortunately, they are tragically outdated. They're a lot like the computing technology that you used in the 90s and not really very similar to the supercomputer that you have in your pocket right now. And what business owners expect, what consumers expect, is something more modern. And that's what we're bringing with the Square Terminal. 
big, bright, beautiful screen that you can read. You can read all the numbers on it. You can read all the words on it. Um, and a dynamic display that makes even uh, makes simple interactions really easy, but you can also do a lot more complex things because it engages people in a world of software. Those old payment terminals are increasingly isolated and left out of the growing and expanding ecosystem of software. Well, it's interesting. Uh, yours uh, looks, you know, uh, you know. I'm assuming it's a full touch screen there. Uh, you know, a lot of the payment terminals uh, I've been using, they've all got the physical buttons, uh, and it just seems that they're replacing those things every year. Like all of those terminals, I wonder how many of those things are ending up in uh, in the landfills. Uh, it's possible that there's some turnover, but those those devices are really isolated. They do one thing, and they do only one thing. And what we've prided ourselves on is investing in software and software experiences, and even in the hardware you buy, continuing to add value over time. With our new Square Terminal, we offer uh, a software update overnight, invisible and free every three weeks, and we can do things like refining the user experience, uh, fixing any bugs that there are, um, and adding features over time. And that's something that traditional payment terminals can't do. Uh, so what kind of uh, cards can can this thing take and what kind of digital payments can it take? We accept all credit cards, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and debit cards, Interact, uh, Flash, and Chip and Pen. So they're all accepted. Um, we've also written our software so that the point-of-sale software can really be your system of record. So if a business is accepting other forms of payment like cash, like checks, you can have an accurate record of the entirety of your business and not only for credit card processing. What about things like Apple Pay and um, Google Pay? Absolutely. Those fit into the contactless area and people have been loading their cards into Apple Pay and Google Pay and Samsung Pay very avidly and we're really happy that that technology is built into our mobile reader and this new Square terminal and we try to make that the most perfect experience there can be uh, because it's so fast and so secure for customers. Can we talk about some of the pricing? Uh, how much does the terminal cost? We're offering the terminal at an introductory price of $299. Uh, you can either pay for that outright by just going to our website and buying it. You can also sign up for installments and break that up into monthly payments for 12 months. Uh, and that's a 0% installments plan. And the purpose of that is to get this product into the hands of uh, all small businesses and medium-sized businesses that need this regardless of their day-to-day cash flow challenges or how they really want to think about paying for things in their business. And what about uh, the the fees for accepting uh, credit cards and, and debit cards? All credit cards are 2.65%, uh, and that's regardless of which brand and whether it's a rewards card or a American Express card. We don't think it's right to put the seller in a position to try to persuade their buyer on how they want to pay. Uh, buyers want to pay how they want to pay. So we have one flat rate for all credit cards. And then we charge just uh, 10 cents for each Interact transaction. That's both chip and pin and Interact Flash. And uh, for, you know, my business, could I have more than one of these terminals? Like how many terminals can you have? You can have as many as you want. Um, it feels funny to say that our payments and point of sale system is cloud-based since really nothing developed in the last five, 10 years is not cloud-based. But that's not true of our competitors in point of sale and payments. Many of them, again, are really isolated systems that don't interconnect. And if you have uh, many stations in your business or you want a mobile terminal in your business or you have seven locations, 
you can have numerous devices sign them into the same account and have one system of record for your entire business. Even with something as simple as a payment terminal, uh, you can do that now with the Square Terminal. Where can people find out more information uh, about the Square Terminal and, and Square in general, Jesse? Best place to find out about us is to go to our website, and that's at square.ca. I want to thank you for joining us, Jesse. You bet. Thanks for having me on. That was uh, Jesse Doro Gusker uh, from Square, all about uh, the new Square payment terminal. When we come back, a lot more show. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. A uh, few more apps to talk about before we get to John's uh, app of the week. Graham, as always, you're the game meister. What is our game app of the, the week? So, so this is a game that came out about two years ago. But over the course of the last six weeks, it's been popping up in my feed, and it's it's not a cheap game. It sells for about ten dollars. I don't mind paying for games if I don't have to keep doing in-app purchases to make the game actually work. So, so this is the thing. This has no in-app purchases. It's a game called Severed. Severed. So, okay. <laughs> do you do you remember Fruit I'm Ninja? I'm sorry, I asked. Okay, Severed. Yes. Okay. Right. So Fruit Ninja had this like swipe to slice sort of thing. You would you chop up fruit. Um, this is an adventure game. It's an action game as well, um, where you play a one-armed warrior named Sasha. Okay. And you are on a quest, uh, basically, to kill the evil dead, as it were. It's a very, very cool game with a, a beautiful aesthetic. Uh, and at $10, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to give it a go. I'll have to, I'll have to see. So I've been playing this for the last couple of weeks, and it's really, really good. They've actually been updating it over the course of the last two years, and it is still currently... Uh, in the top 150 games, uh, but it's popping up to the top list of top paid games because I think people are starting to see the new updates that have come so out. Who would like this game? Um, again, if, if you like those quick sort of sit down and play games where you're looking for just a, a quick action response, that's great if you're looking for something that has a decent story. There's a fun story to this as well. Uh, the nice thing is that if you do only have a few minutes, you can play for a couple of minutes at a time and put it back down again. If you're looking for sort of that repetitive Candy Crush puzzle solving thing, this is not it, right? You're looking for a skill-based game that you can sort of test yourself a little bit. This is mindless. Yeah. Oh, no, there, 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 there's some strategy to this. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you can just pick it up really quick. You can pick it up really quick and you're, you're fighting some, some pretty cool enemies uh, by swiping across your screen. Severed. Very cool. John, uh, what's your favorite app of the week? Yes, this is something I discovered a little while ago. It's called Piehole. P-I-Hole.net. I've seen a movie about this. Shut your pie hole. Yes, That's right. Or American Pie. So what this does, uh, you, you can install this on a number of different operating systems. Uh, it specifically works great with a Raspberry Pi. And it's one line of code you enter, and it creates basically an ad blocking system. The really cool thing is you run this little script, you answer a couple of questions, and then you take the Raspberry Pi, you plug it into your network. Like a little mini computer board. A little mini computer board, yeah. And it will actually become your DNS server. So whenever you do a search on the internet or request a web page, it goes to a DNS server to say, well, what is that address and you know, numbers? You basically set this up in your own home. And what it does is, this is the cool part, it will actually block all of the ad networks. Before they get to any of your computers. Any computer and any device you have in your house, your Apple TV, your media center, anything. And it's completely free. It's constantly updated with all the blocking services. So you need a Raspberry Pi. Raspberry Pi, you can also install it on a computer, but you have to leave it on all the time. Yeah. 
But a Raspberry Pi is a cheap little computer for 50 bucks that you can or just less. put... Uh, you can use a, even an older one, too. Love it. <laughs> That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to visit uh, the Apple Podcast uh, Store and also Google Play to get the podcast of this show and our sister show, Get Connected. This is Mike, John, and AJ signing off. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.